Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, dress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. This week, I'm chatting with Tina McDermott of Tina's Joyful Kitchen. Tina is an inspirational chef, speaker, and weight loss coach. Tina spent many years struggling with digestive issues, but what really inspired her to take control of her health was her sister's battle with cancer. And throughout this process, she learned the importance of nutrition and movement on overall health, and she was determined to heal herself and support others in doing the same, all while enjoying the process. We also chat about her battle with chronic Lyme disease, the detox practices that support her when she's having a flare-up, the real cause of seemingly unrelated symptoms like bloating, depression, and joint pain, tips for healthy cooking when you feel like you have zero time, easy tips to heal your gut, and the types of movement that matter most. So we go in a lot of different directions in this episode, and there are so many good tidbits. I'm so excited to share it. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Tina. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, and I would love to kick it off by you just telling us a bit about yourself and what brought you to doing what you do now. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Nicole, for having me on the show. I really appreciate being here. Uh, Well, I'm Tina McDermott. I call myself the lazy inspirational chef, um, a weight loss coach for 20 some years. And a little bit about me. Well, that's a little bit about me. Did you want to know my story kind of thing or how I got here? Is that where we're going with this, Nicole? Yes, exactly. Oh, my goodness. Um, I can start when I was a kid. I always had gas and bloating. And it was embarrassing. And my older two sisters always made fun of me because I'm so transparent with everybody in this world. And and I don't think this is talked about enough because a lot of people have gas and bloating and it's embarrassing. And it was embarrassing for me all the time because gas would just come out. But who knew? Who knew that I had digestive issues? Nobody knew that I that stop feeding me this, this and that. Okay, <laughs> stop feeding me sugar. I grew up on sugar. I can even back up and tell you I was anorexic until I was uh, the age of, I think, 10 or 12, somewhere around there. I stopped and all I ate was sugar. So I had all these gastrointestinal issues. And then I decided to become vegetarian after my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was 23. I was 19. So I was vegetarian for 10 years. And I, I think vegetarianism is wonderful when you eat correctly. <laughs> Of course, I was a junk food vegetarian for all those years. So Anna was, my sister, her name was Anna. His, her name still is Anna. I don't know why I say it was. It still is. I have a picture of her behind my desk, so I always look at her. And uh, yeah, so that was a big wake-up call for me to learn everything that there is to learn about nutrition, about health, about wellness, and about how to heal my gas and bloating. I remember 
when I was, uh, I'm going to go back again. When I was age 12, I went to Italy with my grandma. My parents were born and raised. So I was going back my whole life. Every summer we would go and go to Italy. But this year I went with my grandma and I decided that I wanted to eat. And I came back 20 pounds heavier, just so you know. And mind you, from 85 pounds to 100 something, that was good, right? And I remember always saying to my aunts, oh, it's stuck inside. It hurts inside. And no one really understood what I meant. And that was the gas and the bloating and, and foods that sugars and all that other fun stuff that was terrible for me. So fast forward, learning everything, I becoming a vegetarian, I was not a, a healthy vegetarian at all, constipated all the time. A vegetarian. Can you imagine a vegetarian <laughs> supposed to be eating vegetables? Now, look, I'm 55. I know a lot better now. <laughs> I've been a nutritional <laughs> consultant and weight loss coach for many, many years. But, uh, but I started eating meat again. But it's, uh, that's a whole nother story. My sister did pass away. She made her transition at the age of 48. I am six years her senior. She just had her birthday last month that we still celebrate. And it was just a wake up call to do what I do. And my, my other sister, Rose, she asks me, Tina, well, how is it that you're so driven to do what you do? Because you do so much. And I said, it's Anna. She drives me. She drives me on a daily basis to help as many people in this world live a life that's healthy, that's vibrant, that's free, free from diets, free from dis-ease. And to help them find joy in their lives, especially in the kitchen, because I have a my my kitchen, my TV show is Tina's Joyful Kitchen. And I want people to find joy in the kitchen, even if they don't know how to cook or like to cook. So that's kind of, I know you asked me a little question and it went on forever. <laughs> there we go. Well, that's the intention. <laughs> that's yeah. what I want to happen. Yeah. Oh, oh, and there's a piece in there that I took out. I didn't take out purposely. I forgot. Um in around 35, I was 35 years old, 37, somewhere around there, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And it took me five years to eradicate it from my life. However, I still deal with some of the repercussions of the Lyme. So that's all about, I know when people say that they're depressed, I know what it feels like. I know when they say that this hurts or that I've been there, I've done that, I've overcome it. And I know how to help people with that. And on that note, last week I was at the beach house with my mom. My mom is uh, 79. It was her birthday. So we celebrated her birthday and she made pizza. Look, she's an Italian woman. When she mom makes pizza, I'm having a piece. And then my nieces were there and they made pancakes the next morning and I had a pancake. I cannot touch gluten. It affects my brain terribly. Does it affect my my gut? No, because I've healed my gut. It affects my brain. Crazy as that sounds. So I came home, the drive, it's about four hour drive home. I cried the whole way home <laughs> because the, the, the Lyme brain came out, it disrupts my hormones and, and it disrupts my brain. So I am on day four of trying to detox and get rid of all of the effects that the gluten had on me, especially my brain. And I'm still working on it. So if I'm having a hard time finding my words, I hope you understand. <laughs> well, you're doing a great job. <laughs> thank and thank you for sharing that about your sister. I'm so sorry to hear that. And 
I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have stories like that and stories also like what you were just sharing about the Lyme and clearly, you know, what we're going to, I'm sure, spend a lot of time talking about today is how our food choices have such major impacts on, you know, the diseases that we could potentially have, what healing looks like, all of that kind of stuff. So if you're comfortable with it, I would love to kind of go a little bit more into the Lyme thing, because I do think that a lot of people don't understand the what, how long it can go undiagnosed, what the different symptoms can be, all of that kind of stuff. So if you would be comfortable sharing specifically about your journey, because I'm sure it probably looks like a, a lot of other people's. Sure. I, I, I'm, I'm an athlete and I'm talking, I would ride my bike 250, 300 miles a week. I'm not joking. My whole life was about the bike. I even married a man who was all about the bike. I'm still married to him. Don't know how I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. And, and, and I found myself exhausted all of the time, more so than ever. One of my best friends, she was diagnosed with Lyme and she had these B12 shots and she gave me these B12 shots. She's a nurse. So she would inject them in my butt. Nothing did nothing for me. I was exhausted. I went to the doctor and he says, oh, it's your thyroid. So he gave me thyroid medicine. Two months later, I go back to him. I'm exhausted. I'm falling asleep at the wheel. I'm falling asleep in between. I was a personal trainer at the time. I'm falling asleep in between clients. I have to, if I have 15 minutes, I go take a nap. I'm dizzy all the time. I can't sleep. There's night sweats. I can go on and on. He says, come back in. Let's do some more blood work. I was, uh, one of the lucky ones. I know that sounds weird, but I was actually confirmed Lyme disease. 70% are a false negative. I was confirmed Lyme. And I say that I'm lucky because now we knew what it was. Now we knew what to do. So I went, it took me five years to get rid of it, but you never really get rid of it. But I will tell you, my mindset is it's gone. Okay. That's my mindset. Uh, I did the medical route. I did all the antibiotics. I saw a Lyme specialist. If you have Lyme, do not trust anyone other than a Lyme specialist who really knows and understands how to help you. It was grueling. It was terrible because I had chronic Lyme. It wasn't, I just got it. It was, I had it since I was a kid. I was always that kid playing outside in the bushes, came in muddy from head to toe, ticks on me. I always had cats. They slept on my head. My cat behind me, she likes to sleep on my head too, but she, <laughs> she's clean of ticks. She doesn't go outside. And, and it was chronic. My body was really strong prior to that and was able to fight it off. I got to a point my body couldn't fight it off anymore. And it really sent me reeling. The antibiotic route wasn't good enough. It didn't get rid of it. I did the nutrition route on top of that. I did the supplement route on top of that. And into year five, I, I did find another supplement that I completely know that it eradicated it from my body. I was taking this supplement for a few months and, and it was about eight weeks probably. And all of a sudden I was sick in bed. This is, I might be TMI, but I was sick in bed for three days. Couldn't lift my head off the pillow. It was terrible. I purged everywhere. 
And I woke up after the third day and I felt like my brain was clear for the first time in years. I thought that I wasn't a smart person and that was not the truth. That is not me. I am incredibly smart. I'm very intelligent. And it was the Lyme that took over my brain. To this day, to this day, I have to be super duper careful with what I eat. As I have already said, I had some pizza and it sent me reeling. I cried for days actually. And it was because I ate something that I know my brain can't handle. Do I have Lyme? I'm going to say probably not. Do I have the effects, the after effects of it and what I need to deal with? Absolutely. My thyroid was from that and the thyroid issues, hypothyroidism and now, and my brain issues. So I'm thrilled to say that I found something to be able to eradicate it. And now I need to be super vigilant and uh, not eat those foods, even if it's wonderful pizza that my mother made <laughs> and really understand that I am very different than most people. And that's what I have to say to everyone in, uh, that's listening to this podcast is that you are not the normal person, okay? If you have Lyme disease, if you have any kind of cognitive issues, digestive issues, you're not the normal person. You are special, like a very special special that you cannot touch that stuff. And when you do, there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. And I don't know about you, but I, I think feel like life is about joy. And the last few days, I have not been feeling joy. And that doesn't feel good. And that, to me, I, I put my foot down on myself. And I've done this many times, but this was one of the worst. And I said, life is about joy. And I am no longer ever going to touch any of that stuff that compromises my brain. Because who wants to live in depression and not feeling good mentally, physically, spiritually. I got way away from my spiritualness. I'm like, who am I? <laughs> this is not me. So I'm detoxing <laughs> and I'm slowly going back to me. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I would, if you're comfortable sharing, I would love to know what the supplement is that changed the game for you. Yeah, I'll even show it to you. I have it on my desk because I try to take it three, four, five times a day now that I'm detoxing. It's um, redox signaling molecules. Got it. Your body already produces redox signaling molecules. And we know as health practitioners, our body wants to come back to center. It wants to come back to homeostasis all on its own. It it, it struggles, it tries. And it, if we keep putting junk food in, it, it has a hard time getting back to normal homeostasis. We want to heal self and our cells produce these redox signaling molecules on a normal basis. However, as we get older, we produce less and less and less of them. Now about, I've been taking it for about 10 years, more than 10 years, probably 11 years. And what that does, it just replenishes your cells with these redox signaling molecules, which signal to the immune system to repair, replace, and uh, protect the cells. And that's what it does. So it just gives your body what it already has. And so it's nothing, nothing that you're putting on top of the issue. It's something that's actually, it's like the light switch that turns everything else on. That's what it does. And I know that if I go without this, I don't feel good. Um, yeah, 
I'm going to Italy in October for a couple of weeks again. And I'm like stuffing my suitcase with it. <laughs> totally. And we'll definitely, I'll follow up with you after this to link up to that exactly in the show notes, because yeah. if anyone's struggling with it, I'm sure they would be like, please. And I'm everybody's body is different, but I'm sure everyone would want to try. And again, as you said, it's not like an antibiotic or something like that. It is just something that's helping your body to more naturally do what it wants to do on its own anyway. Correct. And you experienced kind of one of your biggest lows right after that, probably because there was a lot of die off happening, I would imagine. So that can be a sign that things are going well, even though it feels horrible, but you end up coming out the other side. Exactly. Exactly. And in the Lyme world, we call that a Herxheimer reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a Herx because you're, you got all the die off that it, your body killed off all of the bad stuff, all the bad bacteria. And now you got to get rid of it. So you feel a little worse. You need to sleep because what happens during sleep, Nicole? Yes, we rest, we cover, we, our body regenerates and all of those things that are so important for us. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what that helped me with. And yeah, I've been sleeping a lot this week too. Yeah. I got to get rid of the, even if that little bit of gluten, it's all it took was two little squares of pizza and a little pancake that big. That's all it took to send me reeling. But getting older and I can't handle it anymore. So I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and I think that is a hard realization for even people who have it on a much smaller scale. Like there's a lot of us who know junky foods and sugar and all of that stuff doesn't make us feel well. But somehow it's hard to draw that line and be like, it's more important for me to feel better consistently than to feel really good for the two minutes that I'm eating whatever that food may be. Yeah. And, and sometimes it really takes a major event, adversity to really make you stop. Otherwise, oh, it's just a little bit. I'm fine. And that's why even me knowing what I know, knowing how it's going to make me feel. But this was the worst. I've never felt this bad after eating gluten. It was it was bad. Um, but sometimes it takes that bad to get you to say, okay, I'm drawing the line. I'm stopping. It's kind of like, Nicole, it's kind of like an alcoholic or a drug addict. It's like, yeah. a well, I always say food is medicine. It's like a drug. It's like, oh, give me some, give me some. <laughs> Was that Vinny Barbarino? <laughs> oh no, <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> Welcome back, Cotter. Yeah. So no more drugs. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like a version of rock bottom where you're finally like, okay, this is it. <laughs> I got to make a change here, which I think everyone can experience that in different parts of their lives in different ways. So. Yeah. And it's not like I eat, I don't eat gluten on a normal basis. It was a special occasion. My mom, you know, and I had it and I hadn't had it in a long time. And yeah, anyhow, I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because this is the Detox Diaries podcast, I would love for you to share those detox practices that you do that help you because obviously it's, you know, consistent with what you're dealing with specifically, but obviously we know that detox practices are helpful for us in general. So I'd love to know what your favorite ones are that, that you turn to when you need to feel better. Uh, apple cider vinegar and water and or lemon juice first thing in the morning. I also use a tincture from a company. I don't know if I can talk about it's Dr. Schultz. I use some Dr. Schultz uh, detox stuff. It okay. does liver, gallbladder, kidney, and colon. So I start start taking those things. I tr drink a ton of water. Eliminate the coffee. Eliminate all dairy. 
Mm-hmm. Eliminate all grains. That's what I do. I'm a type O, so I, I cannot handle any grains. Client, I was just on the phone with him. He's like, oh, and, and he gained seven pounds over two weeks and he's diabetic. He's like, well, I had cauliflower pizza. There's t- they oftentimes put tapioca starch in there or cornstarch or something, and that will set you off. So mm-hmm. you've got to be clean of all of those things. Anyhow, so clean of all grains, all starches. And I'm not talking any kind of capital D, capital I, capital E's that are out there. Okay. I'm not talking about with a small T. Mm-hmm. I would say we're not going <laughs> to diet. We're going to live it, right? We're going to live it. Uh, but that's what I do. I just eliminate foods and I add in lots of greens, mm-hmm. lots and lots of green leafy vegetables. Um, I'm not diabetic, so I can do fruits. Uh, if you are diabetic, you want to go really low on the fruits, but detoxing, I can do fruits. I can do lots of green vegetables. Um, I'll still eat a little bit of protein, but I'll keep it on the, on the low end. I won't eat like, you know, a huge piece of chicken. I'll just have a little, like two out three ounces or something, Mm -hmm. but mostly vegetables. I'll still do a little bit of fat. I won't eliminate the fat because my brain can't survive without fat. Yeah especially even detoxing and my brain does not do well on no fat. It gets even wackier than I feel today, <laughs> even wackier. So when I detox, because normally when I detox clients, I, I don't, I eliminate a lot of the fats, uh, but I won't eliminate them for me. I'll mm-hmm. still do a little coconut oil or a little, little bit of olive oil. And um, yeah. So that's kind of my protocol. Just kind of keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, Lots and lots of water. If I didn't already say that, a lot of water. Like I'm going to the bathroom, detoxing <laughs> often, mm-hmm. getting rid of it all, getting rid of it all. Yeah. And the other thing, I forgot to tell you this. Forgot to tell you this. My hands flared up, I, and I feel like I got old overnight. That I think that the gluten went to my hands, and I feel very arthritic this week. Mm-hmm. And it's all a flare up. So, got to detox. Got to get all that out of me. Yeah, That's and I think. I for other people too, who aren't necessarily, you know, recovering from Lyme, gluten can have this impact on people and they don't even realize that those can be side effects that could be created by gluten. Like so often we don't think of food making our joints, you know, inflamed or making us feel depressed or making us cry. Like it's crazy how intertwined everything really is. And I know we obviously, I'm sure you're like me, where the first thing you assume it is, is food (laughs) that's causing the way that you're feeling in any different way. So I think that's also a big takeaway just in general to be cognizant of the things you're eating and the way you feel after them, not just your stomach, but all of these other parts of our bodies, because everything is so interconnected. Yep. It's the number one thing I look at for me, for my clients, when they tell me what's off with them, what did you eat? What did you eat? What was the combination of what you ate? What time did you eat it? Let's take a look at all of those things. And then I'll give you the answer of what's going on with you. It's like, I know exactly what happened with me. Yeah. Food is medicine. Food is medicine. Food is a drug. Think of it that way. And the more refined, this is interesting, Nicole, the more refined a food is, the closer to drug status it is. Think about this. Poppy seeds right? Poppy seeds. You can eat poppy seeds all day long. It's fine, right? As soon as you take the poppy seeds, now don't ask me what the process is to make (laughs) opium, okay? But as soon as they process them, highly process them, it turns into a major drug, right? So I want you to think that the more the food is processed, the worse it is for you, the closer it is to a drug. 
uh, one of my best friends, she's been a health coach for almost 40 years now. And I love almond flour. I, I bake a lot with almond flour when I bake. And she says, no, it turns to sugar. It's processed. You have to take the whole almond and then blend it in your blender and make flour yourself. I mean, that's how detailed she is with non-processed foods. I'm not that detailed. I'll, I'll buy the <laughs> almond flour, but store it in your freezer or your refrigerator. And so the more processed food is, just think about that, the closer it is to medicine or not medicine, to drug status, bad drugs. And the closer it is to mother nature, the closer it is to, the, the better it is for you. So eat the way that mother nature taught us to eat, right, Nicole? If it doesn't walk, fly, grow, or swim. But the emphasis on grow. Exactly. And I think this kind of brings us to, you mentioned you were vegetarian for a bit, but not doing it, you know, eating junky things kind of thing. And then there was a transition where you reintroduced meat, but you were making, I'm sure, a lot of other changes that were the most significant there. So I'd kind of love for you to talk about that transition, what you were eating before, what you learned to eat and and how it impacted the way you felt. Oh, that's years ago, Nicole. You're asking me to add. <laughs> so so um, as a vegetarian in my 20s, this is before I studied nutrition. I you know I read books here and there. Um, I was a, I would say not a junk food. It's not like I eat Twinkies all the time, but I'm Italian. So I eat pasta and pizzas and breads and, and still lots of vegetables. We always ate vegetables. And I remember I was guiding bikes, bike tours in Italy at the time. And a friend of mine brought to a picnic some prosciutto. You know, prosciutto is, right? Yes. Yeah, the salted ham. And I said, give me some of that. <laughs> so I had some, and that was the end of that. And I felt so good that day. And then I looked back over the years as a vegetarian when I knew there were times that I always felt low, low, low blood pressure and tired, exhausted, I knew that was a time to go and get tuna fish. And I would eat some tuna fish and then I'd feel guilty about it. And, but I'd feel better in eating the tuna fish. Just like that day on the, I was, do you know that postcard of Tuscany with the cypress trees that have this windy road? Do you know what I'm talking about? I was there. I was overlooking that particular scene. It's on a lot of postcards. Overlooking that scenery, eating prosciutto. I know this is significant, right? And I felt good. And I said, oh my gosh, I need to start. And I started just little by little, started eating a little bit of meat here and there. And I started feeling a lot more energized, a lot better digestively. I not completely, I still had constipation issues that, that got rectified over literally probably over the last 10 years since I started taking the redox signaling molecules and such, and a whole bunch of other things that I did to clean out my gut. But I, my energy started coming back. Um, I felt better all around, all around when I ate a little bit of meat. And there was a book that I read about the blood type diet. Not that I go by that a hundred percent. Have you read that book, Nicole? Yes, I have. Yeah. So I, I take every, everything that I read with little pieces of it. And I take that and I, and I implement a little bit of it, right? I'm a blood type O. O's love their protein where A's they can do without meat or animal proteins. They, they need protein, but not from necessarily from animal sources. And that's kind of the thing there. So I felt so much better. And that's the truth of it. And when I eat grains, my body gets inflamed. We don't, I don't do well on grains. And that's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> yeah. But some people like my sister Rose, she's an O. She can eat grains. She has no problem. Who knows? 
Yeah. And I think it's kind of what we've been talking about too, is like listening to your body. I think so often, and you know, what you were saying about diets, people think like, oh, there's this prescriptive thing that I'm going to do. And because it worked for whoever wrote the book, it's going to work for me kind of thing. And they're not listening to the, what their body is telling them. They're just following rules dictated by somebody else. And I'm a, I'm a type A. So I, and I talk a lot about plant-based eating and all of that, but it's, I, I know that that is what works for my body. And it's really all just about what works for us. So I always think sharing that message is so important that it's being in tune to what's happening in your body and trying different things and, you know, seeing what works. Beautifully said, Nicole. And here's the thing. This is what I teach people is that three fourths of your plate should be vegetables. Plant, when you say plant-based, that means you eat a lot of vegetables. Yay! Vegetables are life. Yes. Vegetables equal life. You need a, to me, you need a little bit of protein. If you're a blood type, oh, you have to have, a, you don't have to, okay? Listen to your body. And if you don't know how to eat like a vegetarian, like I didn't, if you eat a whole combination of vegetables, you'll get your protein. You'll get what you need. You'll get what you need. You'll get what you need. Listen to mother nature, eat your vegetables. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'd love to get into, you mentioned you have a cooking show. So <laughs> if you could kind of explain what kinds of things you work on in the kitchen show, I'm oh, sorry, cooking oh, show. And yeah, it's a kitchen show. It's a show. <laughs> it's in my kitchen. <laughs> I wish I was in my kitchen now. I'm doing a show earlier on today. <laughs> um, during the show, uh, I typically have two or three meals that I'm preparing and I do the shows virtually and I also do them in person. And I did them all in person before that. Yeah, I'm not going to say the word. And <laughs> <laughs> no, don't say it. Um, and now I'm starting to do them in person again. I love them in person. But my cooking shows are very educational. It's not just, okay, this is how to do that. I mean, this is, uh, I'm making fish flounder today stuffed with crab meat. So I'm going to educate people on why flounder is better than tilapia. I'm going to educate them on how to hold a knife. I'm going to educate them on why you shouldn't have crab at all the time. Okay. Maybe um, switch that out. Uh, so I'm going to educate them on the spices, which ones have MSG, which calls, um, it's, it's an excitotoxin MSG that crosses the blood brain barrier and excites your brain cells until they die. How do I know? Because anytime I come near it, my brain cells, I can't make sentences. So I, I educate people on what are the right spices to use, what are the what what to look for. Um, what else am I making today? Oh, I'm making a zucchini um, pasta al aglio olio, which is garlic and olive oil and zucchini fresh zoodles. So I'm showing them how to zoodle. So you have not just the flounder. You don't eat a meal with just protein. You have lots of vegetables. And then I think I'm making a uh, a pudding of chocolate raspberry pudding with frozen avocados and frozen bananas. Oh, I have to go freeze the, the avocado <laughs> and, and some frozen raspberries and it makes a, and some cocoa powder. So I teach them why do you want to make your own pudding and not buy the packaged one and what's in the packaged one that you want to avoid, such as rancid oils and MSG and the regular sugars. I use monk fruit or as a sweetener or um, what else, honey, or and not always honey because it's still sugar. Still sugar is gonna have effects on you, especially if you're diabetic. But I love, love, love using monk fruit. And what else? Dates, I'll sweeten with dates as well, maple syrup sometimes, but again, it's still sugar. 
so those are, I teach, I educate the entire time. I'm interactive. People are text are chatting with me the whole time. And, uh, and yesterday I was cutting up, I was doing a chicken fruit salad and I had a melon and I'm like, okay, do, I, do we want chunks or do we want me to do melon balls? And so I'm always interacting with people and educating them on, I think it was a Gaia melon. It was a, a crossbreed of a melon. I was explaining to them the crossbreed of the, the melon. And so it's all educational. It's fun. It's informative. And again, it teaches people to go back to mother nature, eating foods that walk, fly, swim, and grow. And raw garlic versus garlic powder, things like that. How to hold a knife if I didn't already say that. Why use really good olive oil? Why use coconut oil? Um, yesterday, I made these no-bake cookies that I don't do. You just had helped me realize something. And I'm going to, again, be transparent. I've been making, I made 800 of these cookies for an event this past Saturday. They're no-bake cookies with oatmeal, peanut butter, coconut oil, a little bit of honey, cinnamon, and salt. That's all that's in them. And yeah. I made 800 of them. And I've had a few of those and those grains probably contributed to my hands hurting. Yep. Cause I was eating those grains, but anyhow, if for people who can handle grains, it's a wonderful summer type cookie. But anyhow, that's what my show is all about. Just to educate people and to teach them how to find, to inspire them. That's the word to inspire them to find joy in the kitchen, even if they don't know how to cook or like to cook. And coming back to the kitchen, I'm Italian. I grew up in the kitchen. I grew up cooking with my mom, making, of course, pasta and her sauce and all of those other dishes that she made that I learned and I wanted to learn. And I realized, you know, I've been a personal trainer most of my life. I'm a weight loss coach and I love feeding people. I love cooking for people. Nothing else matters on the day that I've got a cooking class. I It's all about getting high quality foods and thinking about how, what am I going to teach them today? How am I going to teach them? What is the right cookware? I can go on and on. This is my passion. I love it, Nicole. I love that. And I would love to know if you have, if there's any like tips for people, because I feel like the first thing for a lot of people with cooking is like, I don't have time. So kind of what would your response be <laughs> to someone who's like, well, I don't have time to cook because obviously we know that home cooked meals most of the time is really important for our health overall. So what are kind of ways to make it easier for people who aren't necessarily like kitchen savvy? Okay. So I'm not going to talk about the emotional aspect of, I don't have time because I can go, <laughs> I can go yeah. on a rampage on that. But if you want some tips and make some time take some time to prepare to but to buy the food first of all to buy the food and take some time to prep okay here's what I do uh, let me just give you the, the short of it all beginning of the week Sunday night I go to my freezer I take out fish I take out chicken I take out beef and I put it in a container it's in the refrigerator uh, I normally have a bunch of fresh vegetables like in my refrigerator now I have salad stuff I've got broccoli and I've got cauliflower and it takes me less than 30 minutes to get a dinner together. So Monday night, the fish is defrosted. I take the fish out. I put the fish in the oven, 10 minutes, put a little, whatever seasoning I want on there. So most of the time it's just salt and fresh, sea salt and freshly ground black pepper with a little butter, a little olive oil, whatever I want. And then I steam a whole bunch of broccoli. It takes me 10 minutes. So the fish is done. The broccoli is done at the same time. I put a little olive oil, salt and pepper on the broccoli. My husband is a big cyclist, so he needs the grain. So I'll cook him a pot of rice in my instant pot. 
he'll eat the rice with the broccoli and the fish. I'll eat the fish and the broccoli and I'll be happy. And the next night the chicken is defrosted. So I'll bake the chicken, grill the chicken, make a huge salad, maybe have some zucchini noodles next to it. Uh, always have fresh, fresh vegetables, fresh vegetables, and have a plan in mind as to what you want to make. I also make salads in a jar. So you can make five of them all in a row and have one for lunch every single day. Breakfast, super simple. I have a smoothie most days. I have my, my blender that sits right there on the counter, frozen bananas, frozen fruit in the freezer, throw it in the blender with a really good protein powder. Be careful of your protein powder. Make sure that it's clean. That means free of artificial anything. And if you can't read it, don't eat it. If you can't read it and understand exactly what it is, don't eat it. Um, so throw a little protein powder there, throw some flax seeds or some kind of good nuts or something. Those are my breakfast. Super simple. My husband wakes up at quarter to five every morning. He's out of the house by 5.15, 5.20 with a smoothie in his hands that he makes every single morning. He doesn't have a lot of time, but he does it because he knows it's really important to him to get the nutrition that he needs so that when he gets home from, from well, of course, he has his lunch and he has a little snack before he goes out and rides his bike anywhere in the afternoons from 30 to 60 miles. So he need, he it's that important to him. So I want you, now I'm going to go back into the emotional piece of it all. If it's that important to you to be healthy, take the time. You will make the time to make those healthy meals so that you can thrive in your life. So those are some, some tips and I hope that that helps. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think the crux of it also too is a plan because I feel like that's where most of us end up having a problem is we go to the store with no plan and we grab random things and then we get home and it's time to make something and we only have 15 minutes and we have no idea <laughs> what to throw together. So I think the plan part is such a huge piece of it because most things really don't take that long to cook. And like you've said, you on your show, you talk about spices and stuff like that. That's really how you jazz stuff up and make it taste good anyway. You don't need to have a meal with like 15 ingredients in it. You just need to know how to make what you have taste good. Exactly. Perfect. Beautifully said. Yes. I love it. I love that. Well, I know you also talk about gut health a lot, which is something that I love to talk about on this show too. So I would just love if you would give any tips that you have related to gut health, because we also know, of course, that's related to our brain, our moods. Like we were talking about before, it's all intertwined. It's all intertwined. They say that the gut is the second brain. And when it comes to gut health, what I did to help clean up my gut, and it doesn't happen overnight, I will be honest with you, it doesn't happen overnight, are uh, digestive enzymes. I think that those are critical to help with your gut. They, I, they helped heal my gut. When you take digestive enzymes with food, it helps you digest your food. When you take them away from food, it helps heal your cells. So when um, I was in my protocol, as a matter of fact, that's part of my detox protocol. I forgot to tell you that is that I'll take a whole bunch of supplements in between meals, uh, not supplements, enzymes, digestive enzymes specifically. So that's one of my major go-to supplements. The other one is a probiotic. Probiotic, we need as much good bacteria in our gut as possible. It's a known fact that people who are overweight or obese have more of this is a non-scientific, the, the bad bacteria in our gut that scream for sugar, that scream for all of those bad things and not enough of the good bacteria. And the bad bacteria 
feed on sugar. So the more that you feed them, the less of the good bacteria you have. So stop eating the sugars, stop eating the things that are causing or that are feeding the bad bacteria and take a really good probiotic. If you don't know what a good probiotic, ask a health practitioner for recommendations. I've tried many of them. I know the ones that I love that work for me, for my clients. So find that out. Okay. So digestive enzymes, probiotics, to me, those are the things that really help clean up your gut. Also drinking lemon water first thing in the morning. My dad, he was, um, he was shot in the gut a year before I was born. He was, uh, it was a hunting accident. So he always had gut issues. He always had gut issues. As a matter of fact, they thought he was going to die that night. So they sewed him up and they wouldn't let, he wouldn't let them, he lived. Obviously I was born the next year. He lived and my, um, until I got married, he went in and had a surgery and they took out a hematoma the size of a grapefruit along with a bunch of shrapnel that he lived with for all those years. I'm going back, I'm telling you this story because he would always have me get lemon peel and boil it and he would drink it because it would help clean his gut. And he would say, it helps disinfect your, your, your gut, helps disinfect your gut. Like, oh, okay. Well, it actually does. So lemon juice, first thing in the morning, drink that down. And that really helps to clean out the gallbladder, helps to clean out the liver. And I kind of forgot the stream of thought I was on. So where, where was I going with that? Probably just water in general, which I know we've talked about before too. Yeah. 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 Drink a lot of water, drink a lot of lemon juice, but um, oh, lemon water, but away from food. And that helps to de- okay. disinfect your intestines. Yeah. Great. Well, I would also love to know like what other habits you have. I love to talk about habits on the show. What habits you have that kind of set you up for success in general, general, make you feel your best, your healthiest, most vibrant self. Oh, what a great question, Nicole. One of my habits, of course, is brushing my teeth, (laughs) Uh, walking the dogs every single morning. Don't do anything. Don't look at my phone. Don't call my husband, although he wants me to. Um, He wants me to talk to him while I'm walking. Like, no, this is my habit. This is my sacred time. I need to go walk the dogs, listen to the birds, breathe some clean air, and just start my day outside walking, moving my body, moving my body. So that is a super healthy habit that I, I, I don't go without. I don't go without. If I go without, I don't feel right. It doesn't. And what's happening now, I'm in Maryland and it's super humid. And my, my one dog is two of my dogs cannot walk that long. So I have to walk them shorter. And I'm like, I want more, but it's so terrible out there that I'm not getting my full 30 minute walk. Actually, it's more like 40 minutes because this morning I did get a 30 minute walk, which was good. But so that's one of my healthy habits that I just cannot go without. The other healthy habit of, we said it ad nauseum here, drinking my water. I drink water, a lot of water, pure water, nothing else, nothing in it, water. Like half my body weight in ounces per day and almost twice that on really hot days when I'm sweating. Um, other healthy habits is exercise. I ride my bike. Uh, I used to ride my bike every day and I can't anymore. I, not that I can't, I don't want to, I, I, I don't need to, uh, but I ride, I'm outside with my friends twice a week riding my bike and being in community with other people with like, 
minded things, riding my bike outdoors again in mother nature, exercising. I feel amazing. And that's one of my, another one of my really healthy habits. Yeah. I was going to ask, cause you've mentioned a few times that you were a personal trainer or mm-hmm. have been in the past. So I'm wondering too, like what, what kind of your advice would be in terms of people with fitness? Because I think, again, that's one of those things that's much like food where it's, you know, cardio is the best, no strength training is the best. You know, there's all of those things out there. Whereas I kind of tell people a mixture that works for you is the best. (laughs) But if you have any insights as a a fitness professional. Yeah. You know, I still train people, but it's not my main thing. Uh, I've had people with me for like 25 years, shows my age. Anyhow, two things that I want you to do that you absolutely should do. And that is walking and stretching, walking and stretching because we are made for movement. We're made to walk on a normal basis. The third thing is set an alarm every hour, get up and stretch, run up and down the steps, run around your building, go out in the yard and play with the dogs. I don't care what you do, do jumping jacks, dance, turn on some music, but move your mass. That's with a small M and a capital A, capital S, capital S. Okay. Move your mass on a normal basis because that is what's going to get, it's going to reset your central nervous system. It's going to help move lymphatic fluid, which helps to detox your body. Movement is where it's at and do what you find is fun. Don't do what other is drudgery for you. Go out and do what you find is fun. If you find, okay, this is fun marching in place, then do that. If you find dancing fun, then go dancing. If you like skateboarding, bike riding, walking, hiking, go do what you love to do. And most importantly, get outside and get fresh air. That's my thing. I, and, and this is coming from a gym rat. I was a gym rat and, and, and a, a bicycle crazy lady that all I did was I was lifting, lifting weights, bicycling. It was a very unbalanced life. And I know walking and stretching. If I do anything, it's walking and stretching. Oh, and the other thing, you could also go boogie boarding. That's the other thing I love to do (laughs) when I'm at the beach. Yeah, I love that. I love that because I think so often people, again, it's like they conflate movement with fitness and it's or exercise kind of thing. And it's like people think that they wouldn't like anything. So instead they're just sedentary when it's like just taking a walk. I think pretty much all of us like walks, especially when the weather is nice and allowing walking and stressing, stretching to be your movement, your exercise, and you will see a difference. You know, it's that all or nothing mentality of like, if I'm not going to spend an hour in the gym, like I may as well just lay on the couch and watch Netflix, but there's a lot of middle ground there. That's very beneficial for us. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. Well, I asked this question to everybody who comes on the show. So it's what is one toxic thing that you've released that's had a major impact on your life? You warned me of this question. (laughs) What is one toxic thing that I have released that has made a major impact? Uh, I know. At 27, I quit smoking. I'm 54. And... That was a huge toxic thing that I started at, tw- at the age of 12, believe it or not. And I quit in my mid twenties, but I did that for my fiance at the time. And then I went back to it. And then finally I quit and I did it for myself. I um, decided I broke up with my boyfriend and I booked a trip to the Grand Canyon, a bicycle trip. 
And I was still smoking at the time. And I said, you know what? I'm going to make that century ride, that hundred mile ride on that, on that trip. I'm going to do it. And then I go out training and I'd come back from a training ride and I'd smoke a cigarette. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? And I just threw the cigarette out the window and I was done. I was done. And oh my gosh, I didn't make the century. It was super hot that day. I think I made 85 miles. But ever since then, I had zero desire to ever pick up a cigarette again. And uh, I've cleaned all of that out of my life, out of my body. And it feels amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I'm, yeah, much better for it. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, of course. That's a huge one. (laughs) So thank you for sharing. Well, I would love for you to share how people can work with you, watch your show, follow you on social media, all that stuff. and, And we'll link up to it in the show notes. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. It's um, tinamcdermott.com. That's my website. And you can uh, find me on YouTube, Tina's Joyful Kitchen, tinasjoyfulkitchen.com. And please subscribe because it's fun. I definitely will be. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show, Tina. This was such a great conversation. Thank you, Nicole. I really love and appreciate you. And until next time, namaste. Well, I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. Now I'm going to recap some of the takeaways. Number one, witnessing someone in our life struggle with a health issue can be a major inspiration for taking our own health more seriously and seeing how important caring for ourselves really is. Number two, recovery from Lyme disease can be a long road. It can require a mix of antibiotics, nutrition, and supplements. And even in recovery, certain foods may need to be avoided to feel good. And this is really true of most chronic diseases or sensitivities. Number three, is basic detox practices. Tina shared a lot of more specific ones that are more, I would say, extreme, I guess, because she is dealing with actually detoxing the Lyme from her body. But in terms of ones that we can apply to just our day-to-day basic detox practices that can be really beneficial, lots of water, some with lemon or apple cider vinegar, lots of leafy greens, avoiding coffee, dairy, and gluten is beneficial for most people because they are common irritants. Number four, be aware of how food impacts you. It's not just GI symptoms, but joint pain, low energy, anxiety, and depressed feelings can be a result of a food that's not agreeing with you. Number five, food can be your medicine or it can be a drug. The closer it is to nature, the better, and the more refined it is, the more drug-like it becomes. Number six, you can take inspiration and information from various nutrition ideologies, but at the end of the day, listen to your body and know what's best for you. Number seven, aim for three quarters of your plate to be veggies. Number eight, most meals don't really take that much time to prepare. If you decide that your health is important to you, you'll make the time and make a plan. And this part is really key. The plan is such a game changer. Number nine, basic tips for a healthy gut are lemon water, digestive enzymes, and a quality probiotic. And number 10, walking and stretching are the two major types of movement to focus on. Set an alarm every hour to get up and move in a way that you enjoy. So again, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and the podcast in general. If so, I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me on Instagram at the.detox.diaries. And the best way to support the show is to share with people in your life who you think could benefit. And of course, to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening. Again, I am so grateful that you are here and I will see you on the next one. Bye.